Desmond Doss lived by an unwavering code of honor. Uh, Desmond was the hero of the brutal World War II blockbuster movie, Hacksaw Ridge, a uh, movie that got six Oscar nominations last year. Uh, Desmond, if you know the story, his, uh, his code of honor was first apparent in his pacifism. Uh, he decided to join the army because he believed in the war effort, but he didn't want to kill anybody, so he refused to carry a gun. And they said, well, you got to carry a gun. And he said, absolutely not. And so they threw him in jail in the brig for insubordination. And the, uh, the charges were eventually dropped, and Desmond decided he'd become an army medic. He'd be all about saving people's lives instead of taking people's lives. At the Battle of Okinawa, the American forces were trying to take a hillside called Hacksaw Ridge. It was a bloody battle. The Japanese counterattack was ferocious. Uh, many American lives were lost, and others uh, like dying on the battlefield. And again, his code of honor kicked in. Uh, he determined that nobody, nobody was going to get left behind. And so he ran back into the carnage again and again, pulling one soldier after another back to safety. Ultimately saved 75 men. Each time, if you saw the movie, he was, he was praying, one more, Lord, just give me one more, just one more. Desmond Doss was given the Medal of Honor by President Harry Truman. Code of Honor. Code of honor. If you Google code of honor, you'll discover it's not just a military thing. There's a code of honor in the military, no soldier left behind, but there's a code of honor in business world. You know, we're going to operate on the basis of honesty being the best policy or the customer comes first. Or, uh, there, there's honor, codes of honor in families that we're going to be there for each other come what may. There's a code of honor in academia. Yeah, no cheating on tests, no plagiarizing other people's material. Well, well, today on this Father's Day weekend, I want to look at one of the Bible's most important code of honor principles. In fact, if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, God's top ten moral imperatives, this is commandment number five we're going to look at today. And it's found in Exodus chapter 20. So I invite you, if you got one of these, turn in your Bible second book in to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, where you'll find the Ten Commandments. A little bit of background as you turn into Exodus 20, context for the Ten Commandments. God's people had been in slavery for over 400 years in Egypt. God sent them, sent them a deliverer by the name of Moses. And the people were now on their way to the promised land, so-called because God had promised this piece of real estate to his people years earlier uh, through the patriarch Abraham. So this land of Canaan was now going to become their home country. But along the way, they stopped at a place called Mount Sinai. And Moses climbed to the top of Mount Sinai where he met with God for 40 days. And he came down with two stone tablets on which were carved the Ten Commandments. Commandments 1 through 4 cover how to love God, okay, how to respond to God. Commandments 5 through 10 address how to treat other people, how to love other people. Just a side note here of interest, hundreds of years later, Jesus arrives on the scene, and by this time, the Old Testament is complete, and the rabbis have counted over 600 major and minor commands throughout the pages of Scripture. And so one day, the crowd asks Jesus, so which is the greatest? All these commandments, which is the greatest? And Jesus says, well, the, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus brilliantly sums up 
the ten, top ten moral imperatives, the ten commandments in two, you know, you love God, that's commandments one to four, and you love people, that's commandments five through ten. Now, I'd like to read to you this fifth commandment that's the focus of our study today. You'll find it in verse 12 of Exodus 20. Follow along as I read. Honor your father and your mother. There's our honor word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thank you, God, for your word. And this is commandment number five. Now, I just want to point out the prominence of this commandment. For starters, it's at the head of those commandments that deal with how we love other people. It's the top one. So if you, you want to learn how to love other people, start with mom and dad is what Scripture teaches. But this is also a hinge commandment. It's the one that ties the commandments about loving God with the commandments about loving people. In, in fact, in traditional Judaism, the rabbis teach that the fifth commandment actually belongs on the first tablet. See, they say, you know, God would not be asymmetrical. You know, he wouldn't put four commandments on one tablet and six commandments on the second tablet. He would even it out, five and five, right? Which means that this fifth commandment about honoring your parents appears on the list of the commandments that have to do with loving God. As if God says, you want to show your love for me? Honor your mom and dad. So honoring our parents is a big deal. And today we're going to talk about a code of honor with respect to our fathers. What does it mean to honor our dads. Now, now, the word honor, it's kind of an ambiguous word, isn't it? If I say, you know, honor your dad, what, what does that mean? So I'd like to give you five words that describe, paint a fuller picture of what it means to honor dad according to what scripture teaches. If you haven't taken your outline out yet, I encourage you to take it out, if for no other reason than to jot down these five words. This is how to apply commandment number five to your dad. What does honor mean? Number one, listen. Listen. The, the, the word honor in commandment number five comes from a Hebrew verb which means to be heavy. To be heavy or to carry weight. So, so when our dads speak to us, you know, whatever our age, do their words carry weight? Do we listen to them? Do we listen carefully? Or are we impatiently kind of shuffling our feet or rolling our eyes? Are we looking to see what's on our cell phone at the time? The, the Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, contains five books that scholars refer to as the wisdom literature. So five of the Old Testament 39 books are the wisdom literature. Wisdom literature answers life's big questions. What's God like? Why do people suffer? You know, how do I discover my mission, my purpose in life, and so on? Well, the book of Proverbs is one of those wisdom literature books, and interestingly, it's written in the form of a dad speaking to his son. So keep your finger in commandment number five, Exodus 20, and flip over to the middle of your Bible, just past Psalms, to the book of Proverbs. Set in the form of a dad giving wise, practical advice to his son. So as you read through Proverbs, you'll read advice about sex, about money, uh, about controlling your anger, about peer pressure, about hard work versus laziness, about care for the poor, about drinking. But, but you can tell as you read through the book of Proverbs that dad's a little bit worried that the son isn't listening. And so repeatedly he'll use phrases like, listen, 
my son, or pay attention to what I say, or keep your dad's teaching. Uh, let, me, let me go through several of these passages. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Go over one chapter, two chapters, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they'll prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. One chapter over, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention, gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so don't forsake my teaching. Over a couple chapters, chapter 6, verses 20 to 22. My son, keep your father's command. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you awake, they'll speak to you. You get the idea. There are many, many more references in Proverbs, this wisdom literature book about the importance of listening, listening to our dads. When we listen to them, we honor them. When we listen to them, we honor them. Whether we're listening to their words of advice and counsel, or we're listening to dad tell the same story he's told a million times before. We already know the punchline. Or we're listening to dad express concern for our lives or how we're living, or we're listening to dad talk about the daily drama of his everyday life. We're, we're, we're listening. And I want to speak as a dad for just a moment. Uh, I've come to realize that my heart's desire is to have kids who, who listen to me. You, you know, there's something honoring about being listened to by your kids. In fact, in fact, a couple of months ago, I sat down with a Christian counselor because I said, now that my three kids are, are grown, I'm making this transition in my life, and I want to make it on a healthy, healthy basis. You know, my, my kids no longer seek my counsel about everything like they did in the past. And what's odd for me is I'm a pastor, and so every weekend, thousands of people actually listen to me. But my kids, they no longer hang on every word that comes out of my mouth. And I just want to make sure I do this transition thing in a, in a, in a healthy fashion, because it feels so good. I learned from that discussion with this counselor. It feels so good as a dad when you're listened to, when your kids seek your feedback, when they pick up the phone and they say, hey, dad, what's happening? You know, there's something very honoring about being listened to. The other thing I realized as I'm talking to this counselor, if this is my heart's desire as a dad, I'll bet my dad would like the same thing from me. I'm kind of a slow learner here. You know, but it dawned on me, I'll bet you my dad loves it when I listen to him and it communicates to him, your words carry weight with me. Your words carry weight. You want to honor dad? Listen to him. Listen to him. Number two, what does it mean to honor dad? It means to obey. And we're going to go to a New Testament passage. So skip over to the New Testament and go looking for Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, It's in the middle of a bunch of short letters, epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. And in this epistle of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Now, as you're looking for Ephesians 6, I want to tell you about Benji Molina. 
If you're a baseball fan, you know that Benji is one of three brothers from Puerto Rico who made the major leagues as catchers. And uh, they attribute their baseball accomplishments to their dad. They call him Pi, P-A-I Pi, who was their coach as they were growing up. In Benji's autobiography, he writes, Pi had a lot of rules. Be on time. That was a big one. Uh, team jerseys were for games only, and they had to be clean. Don't miss school. Get good grades. Work hard. Support your teammates. Play selflessly. Don't argue with the umpire. Don't blame anyone else. All of Pi's rules, now listen to this, all of Pi's rules were about the same thing, respect. Respect for the coaches, umpires, teammates, teachers, parents, the game, yourself. I love that. All the rules were about the same thing, respect. We're talking about honor here. See, when we obey the person who's given us the rules, we honor them. When we obey the person who's given us the rules, we, we, we honor them. Let me read the opening verses of Ephesians 6 to you. The Apostle Paul writes, Children, obey, circle the word obey, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor, circle the word honor, and draw a line between obey and honor. Okay, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, before we take a look at the positive application of these verses to our lives, let me throw out a couple of disclaimers. First disclaimer is this. When Paul writes, children, children obey your, your, your parents, he uses a word for children that, that speaks of the kids who are still living under daddy's roof. Okay, so if you're, if you're 40 years old and you're living on your own or you're living with a, a spouse of your own and, and kids, this is not a commandment directed at you to obey your, your daddy. But if you're 5 or you're 16 or you're 21 and you're still living under dad's roof and he's still paying, contributing to your meals and your school and your, your insurance, then you have an obligation, according to these verses, to obey the family rules that your dad lays down. Here, here's a second disclaimer. Paul assumes here that your dad's rules don't contradict God's rules. I mean, if they do, if your dad asks you to do something that's clearly contrary to the Bible, to the Bible's teaching, if your dad asks you to lie, or he asks you to stop going to church, or he asks you to sit down and watch some porn with him on, on TV, then you're obviously not obligated to, to obey him. So obeying God always trumps obeying dad. However, children are required to obey their dads, even if they disagree with dad's rules, even if they don't like dad's rules, as long as those rules don't violate anything in Scripture. So young people, listen to me. If your dad asks you to clean your room or he says, please stop hanging out with that group of friends or he asks you to get home by 11 o'clock, even if you think those rules are ridiculous, God expects you to obey them. In fact, if, if you disobey your dads, I mean, listen to this. If you disobey your dad, you're disobeying God. That's what Paul means by the opening line of Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That phrase, in the Lord, means we're to obey our parents as if we're obeying God. 
Now, let, let me point out the positive repercussions of our obedience that Paul mentions in verse 3. Okay, this is the positive side of it. If we honor our dads by obeying them, the fifth commandment comes with a promise. What's the promise? Look at verse 3. You know, if we'll obey, it'll go well with us and we'll enjoy long life on the earth. Now, does this mean that all obedient children live wonderful lives to a ripe old age and all disobedient children live miserable lives and, and die young? No. This is a general principle here. There are exceptions to this principle, but it's a general principle because generally speaking, your life will be healthier and happier if you obey your parents rather than disobey them. And this general principle, friends, is not only true for our individual lives, it's also true for our society as a whole. Our society would be a healthier, happier place if there was more respect for authority. See, when there's disrespect for authority, bad things happen. When, when kids are allowed to disobey teachers and police officers and coaches and bosses and, and moms and dads, there, there's trouble, there's confusion. And friends, this is, this is why it's so important for parents to expect, for parents to require obedience from their children. You know, moms and dads need to support each other in this regard. You know, if a dad lays down some rule, then mom's got to reinforce that rule with the kids, and vice versa. None of this pitting of the parents against each other. Dad lays down a rule, and mom rolls her eyes. You know, dad can be over the top sometime. No, mom, teach your kids that they must obey and respect and thus honor their dad, because in doing so, you're teaching them the importance of respecting authority in general, including God's authority. You get it? Good. Good. Back to Benji Molina for a moment. You know, Benji, after his first year in Major League Baseball, he went back to Puerto Rico to play some winter ball. And he was treated like a homecoming hero. Crowds turned out to just try to shake his hand and get his autograph. And he was passing through a crowd, and there was a, a major league scout there. This particular scout had dismissed Benji several years earlier when Benji was trying to make it to the major leagues. He had written him off. And so as Benji passed him and the guy reached out his hand to congratulate him, Benji brushed it aside, and he got into his father's car. And he says, pie erupted with anger. In fact, this was the angry, angriest he'd ever seen his dad and his, his dad turned to him and said, you do that to me? Act like a man. And then she said, that scout almost kept me from Major League Baseball, Pie. Am I supposed to be nice to him? And his dad wasn't about to back down. He looked at Benji and he said, he's an older man and you, you disrespected him. I expect better from you than that. And now Benji backed down. And he said, I'm sorry, Dad. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. R respect for authority is an essential life lesson for kids to learn. And friends, it starts with obedience to Dad. It starts with obedience to Dad. Number three. Okay, how do we honor Dad? We listen to him. If you're still living under his roof, you obey his rules. Number three, appreciate you appreciate him. In the closing book of the Bible, 
You could turn there if you'd like. The book of Revelation, the apostle John gives us a brief glimpse of heaven. Where right now God is being worshipped, he's being celebrated by myriads of believers from times past, as well as by these awesome angelic beings. And in chapter 4 of Revelation, uh, everyone is singing God's praise with joyful, wild enthusiasm. Here are the words of their song, Revelation 4 verse 11. They sing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor, honor and power. For you created all things. So God is worthy of honor. God is worthy of honor. This word honor is often used of God in the Bible in contexts of worship. So so honor can mean to glorify or to exalt or to prize highly. And friends, this is the same word that's used of parents in commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. No, God is not telling us we're supposed to worship them, but we are supposed to show our appreciation to them by thanking them profusely and showering them with praise. Now, we sort of think in terms of dads owing this to their kids, right? We expect dads to cheer their kids in. If you're a a dad, when your kids took their first step as a toddler, you go, way to go, woo! When your kids brought home an A on their report card or they got their first hit in Little League. Or do you remember, if you're you're old enough to remember this, when your kids got their diploma, they walked across the stage in their high school or at their college and they picked up their diploma and you went nuts. Or when they got their first job, yes, way to go. But when was the last time we praised our dad? When was the last time we said, way to go, dad? And what was it? What was it? What was it that we said that about? Back in 2004, uh, they finally completed the World War II memorial in Washington, D.C. There was a doctor in Springfield, Ohio at the time, and a number of his patients were World War II vets. And so he was telling these guys, you know, your memorial is complete. You ought to go to Washington, D.C. and see what's been built in your honor. But he quickly discovered that uh, many of the guys couldn't go to Washington, D.C. They, they couldn't afford the trip or their health, you know, was such that they couldn't travel there on their own. So this doctor, also being a private pilot, he got a brainstorm. He collected six of these World War II vets together and he flew them personally at his expense to D.C. so that they could see the m- memorial built in their honor. What well, word about this got out to the general public and contributions began to flow in and suddenly they were chartering commercial airlines to do honor flights to Washington DC. Hundreds of World War II vets are dying every year. And and so people just want these guys to be honored and to be able to see the memorial before they pass on that was erected in in their honor. So a couple of years ago, by the way, 60,000 vets were honored this way last year, World War II vets. A couple of years ago, my dad got an invitation to go on an honor flight. Now, my dad spent World War II bobbing around in the Pacific Ocean on a minesweeper. And so I'll never forget the day. Dad was whisked off at 4 a.m. to make it to the airport because it's it's one honking long day. 
And they flew him to D.C. with a bunch of other guys, a bunch of other vets, and they feeded him and took him to the memorial, and they gave him a meal and celebrated him. And then at 10 o'clock at night, we were all gathered at Midway Airport for the return of the honor flight, along with a hired brass band and hundreds of people carrying placards that said, thank you, thank you. And we formed a big gauntlet so that when these vets got off the plane, they had to walk through this crowd of cheering people. And I'll never forget thinking at the time, my dad deserves this. You know, he deserves his honor. In fact, he, not only for his service in the military, but praise God, my dad's been an honorable man in every area of his life. He's been a faithful husband. He's been an honest businessman. He's been a loving dad. He, he's been an active member of Christ's community church. But as soon as I thought that, a dark thought crept in, into my mind. I thought, but what about some of these other guys? I mean, here, we're treating them like heroes and we're jumping up and down. How many of them have been honorable since World War II? How many of these guys perhaps have cheated on their spouses or been dishonest at business? or abusive to their kids, or not wanted God in their lives at all. And we're jumping up and down, yay! Is this okay? Here, here's, here's what I concluded on that occasion. Even if the only honorable thing these guys have ever done was to put their, their life in harm's way during World War II for the sake of our freedom, they deserve our thanks and praise for that. They deserve our thanks and praise for that. And the reason I tell you this story is because some of us have dads who've not been all that honorable in the past. And, and maybe, maybe you're one of those people who carries emotional wound, wounds from, from the hurts of the past. And so when you hear a preacher say, honor your father, show him your appreciation, Thank him, praise him. You're thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? For what? You know, what's dad ever done for me? I'd like to encourage you today to look for something. To, to, to look for, for anything for which you can say, thanks, dad. Way to go, dad. I, I really appreciate you for this, dad. I, I'm in the middle of reading the Memoirs of Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite was TV's first anchorman, news anchorman. He was the star back in the 60s and 70s for almost 20 years. He was the star of uh, CBS Evening News. So it's a, it's a really interesting book to read. It's painful in sections, though, because as a child growing up, his dad was a dentist. Started out great, but his dad started drinking and couldn't stop became an alcoholic and broke up the family and it was a tragic situation and very painful for Walter Cronkite to endure as a child. But what I found interesting in his book were the ways in which he found to praise his dad in spite of the way dad wrecked the family. You know, one, one for instance, his dad was resolutely against racial prejudice back in the 1960s. He tells a story of how his dad stood up for an African-American uh, young uh, messenger boy who'd been uh, treated badly by others, and his, his dad was outraged by that and stepped in to correct it. He tells that story. 
See, honoring our dads, commandment number five, means telling them what we appreciate about them. And for some of us, you know, it may be tough to come up with something. Now, for others, uh, we could thank or praise our dad for something every, uh, different for every day of the week and still never run out of things to say, right? So let's do it. Let's do it. How do you honor dad? You listen to him. You obey him if you're still living under his roof. You appreciate him. Number four, care. Care. Now, this is a big one for those of us who have elderly dads or dads whose, whose health is failing. I want to look at another New Testament scripture, and this one is in 1 Timothy. So if you've been in Ephesians with me, keep flipping to the right a few books until you come to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul has some very poignant words about a responsibility to care for aging parents. So in 1 Timothy 5, Paul is writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, I, I hope that your church has a ministry to widows. Okay, you need to care for, for these elderly ladies. But then he goes on to say, he says, however, if they've got kids or grandkids who are still alive living in the area, he said, and it's not the church's responsibility to care for them. It's their family's responsibility. Look, look at chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, verses 3 and 4. He says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Paul feels so strongly about our responsibility to care for aging moms and dads that a few verses later in the same chapter, drop down to verse 8, Paul says that professing Christ followers who failed to do this have denied their faith and are worse than unbelievers. Wow, that's, that's pretty strong language. Severe admonition from Paul. So let me soften it up a bit by giving you a heartwarming illustration and example of what we're talking about here. And the example is Jesus. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he uttered seven last sayings. Famous last sayings. In fact, there have been entire books written on the seven last sayings of Jesus. Some of them you remember. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Or, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or, it is finished, this work that he'd come to do. It is finished. But Jesus' tenderest words of all from the cross were directed to his mom, to Mary. As Jesus hung there in excruciating pain, he looked down at his mom and in his dying breasts, in, in order to care for her, to make sure she was cared for in the future, he looked at her and he said, woman... And then nodded toward his best buddy, John, who was standing beside her. He said, here's your son. And then he looked at John and he said, John, nodded toward Mary. Here's your mother. Wow, that's a role model. Uh, on this Father's Day, are, are we as concerned about caring for our dad as Jesus was concerned about caring for, for his mom? Jesus is not my only role model in this regard. I'm, I'm married to a woman who is the gold standard when it comes to caring for our parents. 
You know, Sue not only shows me how to do this now that both her parents and my parents are elderly, but she's been doing this throughout the years over the course of our marriage. You know, I'll give you just a small illustration of what I'm talking about. When, when we over the years have come home from trips and we walk in the door and we're putting down our suitcases, first thing Sue says to me every time is, well, call your mom and dad and let them know you're home. And being the big brat that I am, you know, I would look at her and I would say, I'm a grown man. Okay, I got to call my mommy and daddy to tell them Jimmy's back in town, you know? And then she would look at me patiently, sometimes patiently. She'd shake her head and she'd say, you know how much your parents appreciate it when you call. Give them a call, stupid. Now, Sue's parents are now both in a nursing home. Her mom's had Alzheimer's for a number of years now. Sue's with her dad this weekend to celebrate Father's Day. And several weeks ago, because she goes regularly to Ohio, 300-mile trip, and uh, she took my parents along with her. And when she does this, she's done this several times, you know, it honors not only my parents, but her parents as well. But she'll, she'll go to the library first and pick up some audio books to make sure my parents are properly entertained during the five and a half hours of car trip. And she'll pack snacks for them. And she's like a cruise director. All right. So, how do we honor our dad, this fifth commandment? We care. We care. Let me give you a fifth. Fifth way to honor dad. And this one may come as a surprise to you. How do you honor dad? Forgive. Forgive. There's a story told in Genesis chapter 9. You don't have to turn there. I'll sum it up for you. It's about Noah, that great hero of the faith, the dude that built the ark. You know, God tells Noah that he's going to destroy the horribly wicked planet that Noah needs to build this huge boat, which Noah sets out to do, and then he collects pairs of every kind of animal. If you, you've seen Russell Crowe do it, you, you know the story. And in this, in this part of the story, Noah is the hero, but the story doesn't end well, if you know the rest of the story. Because when the, the water finally recedes and the family disembarks, God tells them to repopulate the earth, which they get about doing. And some years later... Noah plants a vineyard and the trees grow and he harvests the grapes and he makes himself some wine and he drinks too much of it. He gets stinking drunk and sprawls naked in his tent. Not a very honorable picture. One of his three sons pokes his head into the tent and he sees his uh, vomit-covered dad lying there buck naked. And he, he's kind of amused by it. He goes and tells his brothers... Scripture doesn't say exactly what he said to his brothers, but we get the idea it was mocking. It was something along the lines of, you should see the old man. You know, he's naked as a jaber, totally wasted in the tent. You've got to see this. And fortunately, he had, Noah had two sons who knew how to honor their dad because these other two boys, they picked up a blanket and they backed into the tent so as not to gawk at their dad in this condition, and they covered him. They covered him up until he would get sober again. Now, interestingly, that word cover, cover is sometimes used in Scripture to describe how, how we're to love other people by forgiving them. 
1 Peter 4, verse 8 puts it this way. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Friends, every one of us have dads who've wronged us. You know, in some way, big or small, who've hurt us or disappointed us or embarrassed us, some more than others. Honoring dad means a willingness to forgive their dishonorable behaviors. It means to stop reciting their failures to others like Noah's son did to his brothers. It means to cover their shame with a blanket of prayer and forgiveness. Now, I have three grown kids, as I've said. And as they're sitting in church today in Portland, Oregon, downtown Chicago, and Durham, England, I would be elated to think that their pastor might say to them this Father's Day weekend, forgive your dad for all the stupid things he's done. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because we all need forgiveness. And closing word about forgiveness, and then we'll conclude. You know, the Bible teaches that the only way we'll ever be able to, listen, the only way we'll ever be able to offer genuine forgiveness to others, dad included, is if we first experience that forgiveness ourselves. See, to, to experience forgiveness in such a profound, deeply moving way that we can't help but extend that forgiveness to other people who've wronged us. Friends, this is the basic message of Christianity. The message that if one day we will humbly surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we'll come to him and say, I've messed up and I need forgiveness. And I understand that you died on the cross for me. That the penalty for my sin was death because by defying a holy God, the giver of life, I'd given up. I'd given up the right to live. And you took the death, you took the death my sins deserve. And when you do that, if you've never done that before, you experience a forgiveness, a wash, a cleansing away of sins, which is what baptism, what we celebrated today, what it dramatizes, the washing away of sins that is so moving, makes it impossible for you to hold on to resentment toward others. Yeah, even toward a dad who's let you down. Have you ever experienced that forgiveness for yourself? Ever put your hope and trust in Jesus? Ever surrendered to him? You say, well, I'm not sure I've, I'm that bad that I need this. All we need to know about our badness is take one of the commandments, like commandment number five, honor your father and mother. How good we done there? You know, have we listened or have we liked our own wisdom better than anybody else's? We're not great listeners. Have we obeyed or have we tended toward a rebel heart that likes to do its own thing? Have we appreciated and showered praise and thanks or do we just like to be on the receiving end of that stuff? Have we cared not only for our dad but for the poor and for other members of our lives and society? You know, are we forgivers? You take one commandment and you drill down into it and you say, oh my goodness, I am a sinner. I need the forgiveness that Christ Christ alone can provide. If you've never received that forgiveness, I want to invite you to receive it today. In fact, let's close right now in a word of prayer. I'm going to close this sermon praying with you. We're going to sing another song and bring our gifts, our offerings to the Lord, and then our campus pastors are going to do the final close. But pray with me right now. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this from your heart before, 
Maybe this Father's Day weekend is the, the weekend you need to pray, Oh Lord God, forgive me. I am a sinner in need of your grace. I want to thank Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins, for taking the death that my sins deserve. And I want to receive the gift that he now offers me of forgiveness and new life. I want that new life to begin today. Can you, can you pray this from your heart? You resonating with what I'm saying here? I want this new life to begin today. I want Jesus to become the Savior and the King who sits on the throne of my life, who gives my life new direction. If it's your heart's desire to be united with Christ in this way, just pray that from your heart. He'll hear your prayer. Lord God, thank you for the forgiveness offered through Christ. May that make us forgiving people. Make, may it make us people who know how to honor others, starting with our own parents. We pray in your name. Amen.